And welcome to another edition of Fire in the Mountains, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, covering TV episodes tonight, 39, 40, and 41. And Ricky Wittenberg here along with you, and always, as always, joined by my co-host, the Hot Pocket, Andy Waddell, and the Keyboard Warrior, Justin Edgel. Guys, uh, how, are you, how have you been doing the last couple of weeks? Andy, how's it going? I am more excited about these tapings than a bull at a dairy farm. I'm telling you, this is going to be an awesome show. Awesome. Justin, uh, how have you been doing? Been waiting for this moment for, uh, I guess, more than a year now. <laughs> Seeing what happens later in the episode. Oh, yeah. Well, let's not let's and not April. ruin it for everybody. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll get to it because, uh, yeah, the – Spoiler alert, going into this, this is probably the best three-episode taping we've watched. Or at least I'll say it's the best three-episode taping we watched. It's It was awesome. All three episodes yep. led into each other, and it, it, they paid it off in the best possible way that they, they could. And I know Justin is giddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Not close to best, best yet. Oh, yeah. At least until the last ten. Oh, never mind. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, we are at Sand Lick Elementary School in Hayside, Virginia. Home, home of the Fighting Tigers. Okay, yeah, Andy, our resident MapQuest expert, you have done some research on Hayside. Yes, I had thought it sounded familiar. It's a small town in the southern part of, uh, well, the southwestern part of Virginia, Right at the Kentucky border, home of the famous Ralph Stanley Museum. It's only appropriate that it's on the ass end of Virginia, being a county like this. Yeah, it's right. Out, it's right out on the tip of the penis of Virginia. It's just fixing to shoot right out there. That would be never mind. Okay, so we're going to start out here. Dutch holding up a sign. <laughs> Dutch, I can't. I am going to be so sad when he quits. I don't know if we can continue the episodes. I'm, well, I'm I've got I've got to say something here. This has been on my chest, and we have, you know, had some difficulties making the recording. But Dutch is a time traveler. I am convinced of this by the past two weeks because the previous episodes he had the little man bun boggin thing on that just come out this year. Yeah, and this time he's doing the thing that come off that movie Love Actually from two thousand three, which is like a decade ahead of its time. He is a bloody tra- tra- time traveler. I guarantee it. Well, I mean, he is awesome. So let's just give him the moniker, Dutch Mantel, uh, Spaceman. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. Okay. So he de- he's holding up signs. Uh, one of them says, don't believe a word Bob Cottle says. And another one says, yes, you may worship me. And yes, Dutch, we, we do. We do. Uh, so we come so, out. Yeah, Justin, go ahead. So, so, he, uh, so I guess you kind of spoiled it. I guess he does quit eventually. Yeah. Sometime in this run. Yes. Oh, shit. Uh, I mean, yeah, that will be hard to move on after ha- that. Halfway through, not, I think he stays there halfway through 93. And then he goes back to Puerto Rico and uh, and does what you do what you do in Puerto Rico for a while. Yeah. So, but don't worry. When he leaves, they get a pretty good replacement. But but that's later on. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it it, it don't get real bad until the very end when we're. And I really like um, Les Thatcher and uh, Chip Kessler, but they're just not Bob Codlin, Dutch Mantel. <laughs> okay, so Ricky Morton's at the desk. He says that the Rock and Roll Express finally has the match for the Smoky Mountain Tag Team titles. 
Robert Gibson's mother had surgery on her eyes yesterday. <laughs> could, they, could, they, could they not pick anything else? That the woman had, could have had anything else done in her freaking eyes. It was an inside joke. It had to be. Cornette said, right, hey, had, watch had this. To be. I'm going to really. Hey, help. I'm not going to comment on this because that's just too lazy, guys. Oh, oh. Uh, so Morton <laughs> says that he should be there on Terrible. time. But uh, he just landed at the trial. We're going to have to go in depth on this in a few minutes uh, about the logistics uh, yeah. of Robert Gibson getting there. I've studied on this, but go ahead. Okay, so good. I'm glad. We'll get to it eventually. Match number one, the, the Little Nate, Paul Lee, and Mike Sampson against the Fantastics. Uh, Jackie Fulton in the first 90 seconds of the match botches a top rope sunset flip and pin combination. <laughs> yeah, he just, he's distracted by the young girls in the front front row again. Yeah, poor Something. Jackie. The, the, can't can't help. He, he yeah he can't. I know it's been well documented. The stud stable is at the desk, and uh, they're they're complaining about the Fantastics. Robert Fuller calls Bob Cottle little feller. I mean, <laughs> Robert Fuller calls John Holmes little feller. Let's just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you need some of them enhancement pills, boy. Yeah. Oh, God. So no, nothing happens in this match at all. Uh, squash match. The Fantastics win with Bobby flipping Jackie off the top rope onto Little Nate. So uh, anything you want to add The Fantastic Frog Flip. flip. That's what it was. The Fantastic what? The Fantastic Frog Flip. That was the name of the move. Okay. I'll go with it. Tim Horner. Uh and- What's that, Justin? Oh, well, I was just gonna say, I, I, I guess uh, they can't, they still can't decide what to do with Paul Lee. I mean, sometimes it seems like he's like a middle of the road guy, and then other times he's totally irrelevant, like this first match of the night. And yeah, well, he he's definitely fine. more on the uh, the jobber side of things, but at least a, a good jobber in the in the Barry Horowitz mold. Sure, yeah, that's a good comparison. So. We go to the desk, and it's it's the Horner and Dirty White Boy recap, and then we go to the Dirty White Boy and Ron Wright. Bob Cottle says they've been trying to kill Horner over the last couple of weeks. And Wright says that he's trying to actually keep the Dirty White Boy from hurting Tim Horner. He, he actually uh, – sorry, I, said, I screwed that up. He said Tim Horner was trying to kill them, and he's trying to keep the Dirty White Boy from hurting Horner, which makes a whole lot more sense than what I just said. Dirty White Boy says Horner's a gutless and his old lady won't let him come out there. Horner comes out. Dirty White Boy escapes with with, uh, Ron Wright. So, Justin, uh, what's this? (laughs) What's this note here? Oh, a a relative of Pat. Have we lost Justin? Andy, are are you still there? I am still here, though. Okay. So, yes, uh, if we want to flash back. Oh, crap. There. I was on mute, sorry. There he is. Okay. So, yeah, I was trying to figure out what the note meant, and now I understand. It's the it's Pat from episode, I don't know, four or five. Yes, this could be one of the – this could be her relative Biggest in the front her- row. <laughs> yeah. What? Biggest hermaphrodite I've ever seen, maybe. Oh. Including Kevin Kelly. No. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> that could get Uh-oh. kicked off there. Oh, shit. I forgot he had a, he had a, he had a podcast, honey. <laughs> It's oh, a, it's okay. Uh, we're we're uh, it, it's all we're just shoot. It we're we're um we're not actually shooting. Oh. This is a this is all oh. unscripted here. It's it's just for the show. 
<laughs> so Tim Horner says that if Ron Wright gets in the way, he's going to hit him. And, yes, I'm even having an issue with this front row fan now. Uh, it's it's crazy. Uh, it, what? Morton has a <laughs> – what what has what is he doing, Justin? Here, that Morton has a Winston cigarette. Uh, oh, so I, was, I screwed up so bad before. Anyway, what, what was that again? That's, uh, Morton, Ricky Morton. Was it a Winston hat? Did, oh, yeah. no. no, the moron in the Winston hat. Winston six hat screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God! Like yeah, what, yeah. what was he screaming about? Okay, yeah, not Mor- nothing. A moron, not Ricky Morton. Which, yeah, one well, Morton. W- one and one. So, local. All I want to know is who built the the front row bleacher. I mean, my God, that is <laughs> a architectural feat to hold that much weight. It, I mean, China can't do no better. This takes me back to a story that's unrelated to wrestling, but Andy. Um, I don't know if you want to share it on the air or not, but there was a time at the campground <laughs> when uh, when when the architecture didn't hold up too well for, for one of your buddies trying to <laughs> sit in a chair. Yeah, he found out that them little plastic chairs wasn't meant to be leaned back against, and the legs exploded, took out two people in the front row, and he fell about four feet to the ground. It, it was glorious. But that's not the worst part of it, because he turned around and done it again. <laughs> yeah, he turns around, gets in a different chair, and explodes again. And uh, He exploded more than Dixie Dynamite. And what was the direct quote by your daddy? <laughs> I can't remember either, but it was something about boy, you something about him being very stupid. And, and uh, sure oh yeah, he said, you know, one time's a fool, second time's a fucking idiot. Yeah, say it had to be. It couldn't have been that nice. No, no, no. But I didn't want to misquote no, it. Was my daddy's chairs that he exploded? <laughs> right. Yeah, like you owe exactly. me twenty dollars. Oh, no, Lord. Okay, so we're at the uh, local promos with the Rock and Roll Express. They uh, allude to something that's not been seen on TV yet, which I don't ma- – this makes no sense at all to put that. I guess they need the local promos in the episode, but when you're ruining the end of the episode, it's kind of strange. Uh, which, it's Robert <laughs> Gibson. He's got a, an issue with his hand at this point. And Morton botches the promo and – Says that he's going to walk uh, a mud hole in there behind and stomp it dry. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, I have is, no comment. What is, what is yeah, wrong but, yeah, with like, that? Why was, what, what was he off for all that time? On some kind of bender or what? Who? Robert, uh, not Robert Gibson, uh, Ricky Morton. Uh, he, but he, when, when did he, didn't he take a hiatus, hiatus for a while? No, not really. I, I just don't think he's very relevant for a while. Oh, okay. But, yeah, he tried a singles career and it just it kind of petered out. It didn't really yes take but, off like they thought. But uh, he at least he didn't end it with his usual line that I wanted to hang myself after I've heard it so many times. But when you botch it up and you say that you want to walk a mud hole in there behind <laughs> and stomp it dry, that's a that's a different uh, take on the on the actual phrase. Right. Oh, that's a lot of stomping, brother. Okay, so taped interview. Tracy Smothers is coming into Spooky Mountain Wrestling. God bless America. I'm I'm sorry. 
Go ahead. He would, God, this, you need to definitely, if you're listening, if you're following along with these episodes, one reason we don't play a whole lot of audio in our episodes of the episodes is because we want you to watch them. I mean, there's nothing that we can do that does it justice. And sometimes just hearing it, it really don't give you the full scope of what, what's going on. So watch these episodes. Watch this interview by Tracy Smothers because whether you knew him or you didn't know him or you hated him when he was in WCW, it took, what, all of two minutes for me to become the biggie, biggest Tracy Smothers mark in uh, yeah. on the planet right now. I'm like, dude, give him the title. He's awesome. <laughs> well, it, I mean, I ranked this right up there with the CM Punk pipe bomb. It was a mixture of shoot and, you know, setting up the promo at the same time. And you got to figure this is back in what, 93? I mean, this is before kayfabe was really known about. And it, I don't know. It just, like you say, it just turned, whether you hated him or not, it just turned you on his side within two minutes. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah. And the way he done it, uh, he really tiptoed around the kayfabe thing because the way he explained it would make you think, even if you thought wrestling was real. You could see where he was coming from, that they, they was flashing a lot of money. They told him he was going to be from Wyoming, and he went along with it because they was paying him a lot of money. And yeah. he was still keeping kayfabe, but he'd done it in a way where it made sense why he was a bad guy, and then all of a sudden he was a good guy again. Jim Cornette, I don't know if – I guess he probably wrote the promo or helped write that promo, but that was a good walk in that line between reality and – and kayfabe and not giving a wink to the smart fans that yeah we know but then also not making the fans that believe it question it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, i don't know it was it was it was perfect perfect that's all you can say yeah so they, they're bringing some others yeah. in watch this promo yeah i, I mean i i'll say you know i make fun of a lot of the cheesy ass stuff they they've done so far since we've started the show this and i think you guys i mean i can't add too much to what you guys said but this is all like modern day stuff or like today stuff promo wise and it's easily by far it's the best promo i've seen by far it might be the best in the this whole run that they go through it's just he was good. I mean, good. he he had a little bit, yeah, a little humor. I I have nothing more to add. I mean, you guys said it pretty perfectly. Yeah, no, it was just just seek it out, listen to it, watch it. It's I can't do it justice. It's a great promo. So we're back to match number two, and uh, Mister Semi Perfect makes another appearance. <laughs> Robbie Eagle against our favorite boy Killer Kyle, and. Uh, I've got a note in here that Killer Kyle's growing on me just a little bit. I don't know why. Uh, maybe he's showing a little more emotion or something. I don't know. I've I really didn't like him at all early, but the more we watch him, the more I think, yeah, this is becoming a little more believable. He's finding his zone. He's in his comfort zone or something. He's 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 a lot more relaxed in the ring. But he's still just literally kicking the living snot out of people, which is always a positive for me. I mean, that we miss that these days because all the matches are 50-50 and 
you win one week and you lose the next week and nobody goes on streaks and this and that. You want somebody that goes out there and just absolutely bloody murders people, and that was still going on back then. Yeah, he doesn't botch every other move anymore. That's another good thing. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, – and- Go ahead, Eddie. And there's a, and I mean, there's some wrestlers that I don't know what it is, but having a manager makes them look more effective, even though they're doing the same moves and the same promos and, you know, but they just don't talk. They've got a manager to run their mouth for them and Cornette. I mean, if you're going to have a manager to run his mouth for you, who better than Cornette? I mean, he's the king of it. Yeah. I mean, you can't get much better. The only one that I would say would be better back then would have been Bobby Heenan and he was already kind of out of Ooh, well played yeah. well played but yeah I mean in general you, 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 if you're going to have a manager you might as well get a good one and uh, Cornette you couldn't have beat Cornette as the manager so he wins Killer Kyle wins with a rub out and it doesn't actually look like that it's going to kill him for once uh, he's already quit doing this reverse pelvic thrust at least for tonight I don't know if it was because Cornette was worried that it'd get the people in Hayside riled up a little much or, or what? <laughs> Robert Fuller probably told him, Hey, little feller, that's my move. <laughs> yes. So, uh, anyway, back to the desk with, uh, Ricky Morton is back. He's a, it's an update on Robert Gibson. He said, Robert just called. He has landed at the tri cities airport <laughs> and he is on his way. Well, yeah, at least, it, well, never mind. At least it <laughs> okay. wasn't some certain airport. Yeah. Okay. No, actually, the Tri-City Airport is a certain airport, sadly enough. It takes, I map quest this just out of curiosity, it takes an hour and 55 minutes doing the speed limit to get there from Tri-City's airport to Hayside, Virginia. And my second point is, who in the hell is letting Robert Gibson drive for an hour and 55 minutes? (laughs) Someone that doesn't value life very much. <laughs> it's over with. Go for it. <laughs> that's, like, that's all I can take. Just just do it. Oh, God. So, okay, yes. there. It, that solves the riddle to the puzzle there. An hour and 55 minutes, and we're already halfway into this episode. So, uh, suspension of belief right there. Okay. Uh, what do we got here? What happened? I lost my notes. So we got yes. down and dirty with Dutch. Down and dirty with Dutch with Commissioner Armstrong, and just yes, uh, the weekly update on Armstrong's attire, Justin. Yeah, nothing's changed. <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, yeah, I get sick and tired of cussing about it every week. And he ain't gonna change shit. Oh, I guess he just did. Okay, so the Night Stalker's out with a note from the Master. So if Brian Lee beats the Night Stalker on next week's TV show, the following week, he he can fight the Master one-on-one. So Armstrong says he has to go before the board before he could sanction the Master versus Lee. And uh, But Brian Lee comes out. There's a tombstone that's brought to the ring by the Night Stalker and Malachi, who is another disciple. And uh, so Brian Lee has just basically had it with these guys. Who is Malachi? Yeah. Uh, He's a nobody. He'll actually be around Smoky Mountain for a while, though, 
in various forms. Uh, he will reappear as the uh, infamous mummy down the road. So he will go from a... Uh, Wasn't he in, uh, in WCW, the mummy? Uh, this will be a different mummy, but yes. It was, okay, uh, I got you. Okay. And no, the one in WCW was the Yeti. And, oh, yeah. Okay. And him and the giant right. uh, had some sort of a three-way hump fest with Hogan. That's <laughs> interesting to see. Um, anyway, back to the desk with Bob Armstrong and Ricky Morton. And Ricky Morton says that Gibson is still not there, obviously, as Andy just explained. <laughs> And wants to have the title match next week. Bob Armstrong's like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, we get it. Cornette comes out, though, and he said that's not going to happen. It has today's date on it for the match, for the belts. If it's not today, it's a forfeit. So it's today or never. And then Bob Armstrong reluctantly says Cornette's right. So Ricky Morton kind of walks off the set. So we've still got this going throughout the episode, which is kind of weird because if you think back to our last show, the reason we're having this match is because the Rock and Roll Express had the painting of Cornette's mama, and it made him so mad that he sanctioned the title match. So now he's trying to back yeah. out of the title match. Man, that's just the way a heel does it, though. Oh, yeah. Well, he's like a stripper. You know you know what's going to happen, but you still watch. I'm <laughs> Justin, uh, anything to add to this? No. Uh, uh, nah, I don't even know if I want to say it. Go ahead. We're already fired, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, well, the whole uh, when Brian Lee came out, it, I mean that thing. I, I, he's starting to get a little better. Oh, oh, good lord! What? <laughs> <laughs> in this promo uh, he was... doesn't say oh god hold on a second uh, <sighs> I'm almost about to get sick but uh, he, he doesn't say he's six eight, three or whatever the hell his weight is that week <laughs> he's st- starting to be a little bit more believable not some corny ass crap that he usually does <laughs> so, so alright I'll leave it at that no, I'm I, done. I, I thought you was going to call him a corny ass cracker which would have been funny <laughs> No, I'm not going to go that far. I'm already in deep shit, so. The, the, the views of Justin Edgel are not reflected by the views of the rest of the people on this podcast. That's right, because he's the only Yankee. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, that's right. <laughs> all right. We are doing now a recap of the Ronnie Garvin and Paul Orndorff deal. And then, oh, God. And then we go to the desk with Dixie D and Ronnie Garvin. Bob Cottle says that the robe looks funny on Ronnie. Uh-huh. It, it. And uh, Garvin says Danny Davis will be okay in a month or two. He said, hey, I ain't worried about him. He broke his freaking neck, but he'll be back. Uh, Ronnie, I have a problem. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, but I watched this again and again. And after Orndorff pile drives him, mm-hmm. was Smoky Mountain really this poor? that they couldn't afford a neck brace to put him on the backboard. They wrapped a towel around his neck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and they had, okay. they had the, the ring guy try to carry him out because they had no help. The yeah, okay. Well, I, was, I just wondered if I was the only one that caught that. But go ahead. Sorry. No. Didn't mean to interrupt. So, Making a ridiculous noise that he always makes. <laughs> like, thing or whatever. <laughs> Hell, he does he all was exploding, time. Justin. He was exploding. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, some people need that kind of violence to explode. Apparently, Danny Davis is one of these people. 
Yeah, so was the kung fu dude that hung himself in the... Oh, never mind. Uh, uh, yeah, so um, now we have a new character on the show, sadomachinistic Danny Davis. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm going to have nightmares of Danny Davis. Hanging from a closet. <laughs> oh. Come here, little feather. Oh, God. Okay, so let's let's get out of that. Match number three, Paul Orndorff versus Dixie Dynamite. And Orndorff says that he's going to stick every one of Garvin's friends. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Justin. I, he, if that's not an overtone, what the hell is? Come on. Yeah, he... Uh, <laughs> I mean, you got to be kidding it was a simpler time uh, st- sticking somebody meant something a little bit different in 1992 I, I, yeah I know but you can be like you know you can be juvenile as hell yeah. but come on yeah. I mean especially when we're talking about Ronnie Gar- like he's, he's in a feud with Ronnie Garvin and he says something like that oh my god I'm not talking bad about Ronnie Garvin he still lives in a van pretty close <laughs> to us and he could come over here and whip our ass and he's 70, and I know that he could take me without with very little effort. <laughs> He'd have a hard time catching my ass. That's true, but he has a van. He'd just run you over. Well, that's true. <laughs> okay. But anyway, I, I mean, this, I was dying when he said that. But anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. It, uh, that's why you need to watch these episodes to pick up on all this crap. So Yes, please. Yeah, there... In in this match, Orndorff is fighting with the front row faithful, and we've already discussed the girth of the front row, which is largely taken up by this one guy. And he is about to get his clock cleaned by Mr. Wonderful. I think uh, uh, Paul was pretty much over this dude at this point. Uh, he, was, he was about to get it. He was about to get stuck by Orndorff in front of all the fans. <laughs> And I don't think it would have been entertaining to anybody but no. Paul Orndorff. It would have been a fisting match for sure. <laughs> oh so Dixie Dynamite, he's he's unloading on Orndorff. It's one of those David Goliath <laughs> things where he hits some drop kicks and high cross bodies. One. Then Orndorff, uh, he finally gets him. He posts him. He, the, the back suplex that he hit him with was pretty vicious. It folded him up pretty good. And then he really starts pounding on D- Dixie Dynamite. He gets him up for a pile driver. Garvin comes to ringside. Ronnie Garvin runs from him. Paul's r- chasing him around the ring like ring around the rosy. Paul gets counted out, so Garvin punks him out, gets Dixie Dynamite out of the ring, and they take off. And Orndorff is not happy. Andy, thoughts? The, the, that was an awesome temper tantrum that he threw there at the end. I mean, you see this big, tough dude, and, I mean, he's like a little kid that didn't get the toy at Walmart. It it was awesome. Yeah, Justin, what do you think? Uh, of course, I loved the, uh, when uh, Orndor's promo, a little promo in the beginning between sticking everybody and then he forgets Danny Davis's name and has to ask <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the referee that. what his name is. What's his name? <laughs> but yeah, right. But it was it was a decent match because because of, of uh, Thorndorf. I mean, Dixie Dynamite's a decent worker. Besides, when he brings those silly ass sparklers <laughs> out, but yeah, but it's it, firecrackers. But, but, yeah, Confederate but he, he, kick. 
<laughs> That's more than two syllables, damn it. <laughs> but Or Orndorf is uh he's one of the best ones on this promotion. I've said it a million times. He's he's great. He and is. very entertaining. Yeah. I mean it's this is something I'd go back and watch just for this match. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's good. For sure. He's okay. funny. All right. So we're back to the desk with Ricky Morton. And, of course. And Gibson still hasn't shown up. Well, the, the hell you say. He's still not out there. Cornette's yeah, out there to glow. Three minutes ago, the last time we saw <laughs> saw him talk. Jesus. Uh, he's about an hour and 46 minutes away now, according to MapQuest. Cornette says, uh, he, he said Gibson stood Morton up. He says that Gibson or Morton has lost everything in his whole stinking life. He calls him a habitual chronic loser. And then he says the only person in the world that will talk to him is his drunk dad. And that's when Ricky Morton has had enough. And uh, he slaps the taste out of Cornette's mouth. So he says, let's do it. They're going to do the match as is. Uh, before we get into the match, what did you th- Cornette was tearing down on Morton pretty good there. What did you think about it, Justin? Do you think that do you think that was some a little bit uh I don't know, is real the the right word? I forget the word for it, but uh, you, you, I mean, maybe maybe there's some kind of history between Cornette and Morton's dad or he knows of Not really. I, it's just they uh, have to portray the fact that they really, really hate each other. And, well, I mean, they, well, I mean, he he's convinced. You, I mean, you know it's fake, and he convinced you that it was real, so he done his job. Oh, sure, <laughs> you got it. That's right, Andy. Yep. Uh, what do you think about that? It it doesn't matter if it's a true Southern audience. Number one, you don't talk about Mama. That's the one that really gets your ass kicked. Number two is Daddy. Daddy's right below Mama. And by doing this, oh he knew that he'd get the reaction from the crowd that he wanted, and it worked. Yeah, absolutely. He, it was uh, definitely got the fans riled up, and so we go to the ring here. Morton runs out. He is just kicking both bodies high in. The crowd is completely unglued. Dutch Mantel says that Gibson's drunk in a ditch somewhere. And lying in the night so far. Yeah, been drunk in a ditch. So. Well, pretty. It's right up there with Orndorff. That. It's pretty close. So the fans, the fans are screaming, obviously, and hurting Lane's toupee. Morton holds his he holds his own longer than I expected before the bodies finally get the upper hand. He gets posted. He's bleeding a little bit. So I guess Aside Virginia is not exactly the place to cut a gusher. Uh, I don't know if it's for sanity purposes or just the house wasn't. Uh, it's more for sanitation purposes. Okay. There you go. So Gibson arrives in street clothes. So Andy, he landed at the Tri-Cities Airport and then immediately jumped into a helicopter. (laughs) Well, no, I think, have you ever seen the movie Basketballs? Yes, uh, Trey, uh, the the guys from South Park. Right. Well, when they're trying to get to the stadium, who drove them there? Uh, Was it Dale Earnhardt? Dale Earnhardt. That is the only logical explanation. He found the number three somewhere along the interstate, and at 200 miles an hour, he drove to Hayside, Virginia. That would have got him over better with me. But, well, that's true, too. But so, uh, anyway, Gibson finally arrives, uh, and the fans are definitely going ballistic by this point. 
So he's in street clothes. And the ref calls for a disqualification. I'm not exactly sure why, because it was de- deemed a handicap match, possibly. Oh, that is an awful job. We're not doing that in there. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I'll refrain. I'm already in deep shit, so you know, the, I that's mean, all right. So, sometimes, just behind-the-scenes things here, we can see each other's notes, and I, we're not going to talk about that one. And if it if it, I'm not going to talk about it, I figured that it's, might have been over the line. It's, Sorry, it's pretty bad. So anyway, it's supposed to be. There. I like it. I, I applaud you for it, but we're not talking about it on the air. I, I didn't get the updated notes, so I'm gonna have to look this up when we get done. Yeah, you will. <laughs> it was. It's supposed to be the rock and roll in the bodies. Gibson arrives, so I, I I am asking myself, what's the problem? We have a brawl ensuing. Everyone in the ring. They stomp Gibson's hand. Mr. Semi-Perfect comes out. He bumps out of the ring. Samson and Paul Lee are trying to help the Rock and Roll Express. And uh, we go off the air as the real faces like Tim Horner and Dixie Dynamite runs off the Heavenly Bodies. So, episode 39, one of the three in the books. And that was a pretty strong opening episode for this set of tapings. Andy, uh, thoughts on 39 quickly. Well, I, I have I have come to a conclusion. Okay. If you're blonde in wrestling, you will bleed. Mm-hmm. The reason being, the peroxide will clean the wound. Go ahead. Okay, Justin. Uh, any thought thir- thoughts on thirty nine before we take a break? Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome first episode. Uh, it only gets better. Believe me. Yeah, it's ramping uh, up. So yes, it is. We'll go ahead and take our commercial obligation right now and we'll be back on the other side with smw tv episode 40 coming up promotional consideration paid for by the following voice of ring of honors kevin kelly here i just want to make sure you're all subscribed to all of our great feeds here at place to be nation now it's really easy to do just head to itunes or your preferred podcatcher app today and search for and subscribe to the place to be nation wrestling feed Place to be Nation pop feed, pro wrestling only feed, and of course, the Kevin Kelly Show feed, which includes the full archives of my podcast. Subscribe, listen, and then rate us and leave feedback today. And of course, as always, enjoy all the great action of Ring of Honor Wrestling and everything presented to you on PlaceToBeNation.com. Nation's JT Rosero here, and I want to let you know that we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and PlaceTomination.com, and we offer them to you across two great feeds. On the PlaceTomination Wrestling feed, you can check out Scott Criscolo and me on the Mothership, the Place to Be podcast with our famous vintage wall pay-per-view reviews. PTBN also covers current-day wrestling with the smash hit clotheslines and headlines, our steady veteran main event, and the beloved monthly pay-per-view reaction shows with immediate feedback on all pro wrestling super shows. We live wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series led by Ben Morse, the always contentious Dangerous Alliance podcast, and, survey says, a fun look back at the good, bad, and ugly of WCW. On our very popular Place to Nation Pop podcast feed, we offer such great shows as the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, Rank and File, NBA Team, Lucha Undead, Geek and Sassy, and a veritable podcast heaven for comic fans with hard-traveling fanboys, Sellers Points, Todd Weber's Conversation, and Imaginary Stories. Subscribe to both of those feeds on iTunes and rate and leave feedback for us as well. 
All of these shows, plus others, available at PlayStation.com, where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments, and more. Be sure to support our site by using PlayStation.com backslash Amazon when doing your online shopping, and download our free Place to Be Vintage Vault Refresh eBooks via the links on the right-hand side of our site. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Rock, Rhode Island, and Fall River, Massachusetts, TheHistoryOfWrestling.com, and Scott Keats' Blog of Doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlaceFoundation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. The PWO PTBN feed has changed its name. Now known simply as Pro Wrestling Only. So it should be easier to find and indeed to say. All of your favorite shows are still here, including Where the Big Boys Play, Letters from Kayfabe, Titans of Wrestling, Tag Teams Back Again, This Week in Wrestling, and many, many more, including our full archives of tremendous content. So make sure you subscribe to the Pro Wrestling Only feed today. And yes, listen to all these great shows on the uh, Pro Wrestling Only feed, uh, placetobenation.com. Great shows all across the board. So I we're might about- have ruined that, sorry. What's that, Justin? I said I might have ruined that. I apologize. <laughs> Smoky Mountain Wrestling, episode number 40. No problem. Match number one, Little Nate Paul Lee against the wild-eyed southern boy, Tracy Smothers. And Yeehaw! Smothers is carrying the Confederate flag. And of course. The fans are definitely happy to see him. Don't they all? And, uh, the, yes, the, I have made a note. And if you're watching this episode... There is some bench-licking little paint-chip-eating kid in the audience that's chanting rock and roll. Because in Hayside, Virginia, by God, that was the intelligence level of the eight-year-olds. So. This this school stops at sixth grade. What can I say? Um, Little Nate, yeah, Little Nate is still strutting, and Justin Edgel is going to fight the fight for Paul Lee is he is contentious that he is better than Buddy Landell. At least yes, I, I, I still think he is. I mean, as far as like the actual imitation of Ric Flair is better. Do I, I think I like Buddy Landell better overall as, a, as you know, an overall character. If yeah. that makes sense, I yeah. guess it doesn't, but no, you I, know. I guess maybe he struts better. I'll, I'll give you that. And he, he does all the, over-the-top error. He, he goes, uh, he jumps a top robe and runs down the ring and all that silly-ass stuff that Nate does every match, yeah. especially in his older days. But yeah, he, he, he does the Ric Flair tribute match very well. Sure. So, during the match, Bob Cottle says that it was a corporate decision in WCW, and Tracy was unhappy. So we now have a Southern wrestling territory breaking kayfabe to the point to explain that Tracy was a, uh, why he was such a dastardly character in WCW. Now, when Smothers explained it, I think it made sense. When Bob Connell said it, he just basically <laughs> said it was a storyline. And uh, I can't defend old Bob there too much. Would would either one of you like to uh, defend Bob Cottle? No. Okay. So yeah, see, I, I just don't know <laughs> much, too much about. Well, I mean, I, how what what was he like the biggest asshole in WCW for real? Or I mean, he was no, he was just he was a bad guy. 
that he was on a mid-card tag team and with uh, Steve Armstrong. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean they were they were bad guys, but it wasn't like he was one of the most pushed characters. From what Smothers had done the week before, I think that was sufficient. They didn't need to further go into that. No. Well, no, because he explained it good. I mean, when when you're trying to provide for your family, yeah, you'll do things that you're not maybe happy or proud about. But there comes a point where your integrity kicks in and you have to do what's right. And that's the point he's at now. And people understood that. Yeah, I mean, when you need that kind of money, you'll bend over forward for your boss, right, Andy? Forward, backwards, sideways, whatever it takes. A million dollars is a million dollars. That's right. So we have Tracy Smothers wins this match. She hits a jawjacker from the top rope. And, uh, Andy, what's a jawjacker? That that was impressive. It's like a jumping backflip. Uh, think of AJ Styles' phenomenal forearm with a twist and a, about a hundred pound heavier dude doing it. Yeah, and he's throwing an elbow. So, oh yeah, basically that that kind of move. So now we get to the desk with Bob Cottle and Tracy Smothers, and Smothers gets the cheap <laughs> pop. As he invented the cheap pop before Mick Foley got to it. He said he loves Hayside. Yeah, really. And that was a that was a blatant lie. That's all there is to that. <laughs> Andy, is there any possible way Tracy Smothers loves Hayside, Virginia? Not unless he is a massive bluegrass fan. That's the only thing I can think of. I mean, maybe Ralph Stanley uh, is, is his childhood hero. Justin, maybe, because at the time he was still alive, so it's possible. Yeah. Justin, what did, yeah, what did like you he- think of Smothers in the ring? Yeah, he's uh, he was he was a great worker. I mean, he he's I can't say he's like I it, it, I think it's stupid to say he's too good for for uh, Smoky Mountain wrestling, but he he is on that different level for sure. He he needs he's great in the ring. He's good good with his promos. Uh, a good character. Yeah, the thing- looking forward to seeing where he goes with it. I mean, I don't. I mean. I've never heard of the guy, to be quite honest. Nah, I mean, but. That's fine. That's why we're watching these. So the thing about right. that is 1992, we're still uh, mostly in the steroid. Uh, they're not in the steroid era, but most of those guys are still around. And they were still pretty tanked up. Right so when it. you watch it, right it yeah. yeah, when you watch Tracy Smothers. And I look at him, it, it, just watching this TV now, you watch him and I think, you know, he's a pretty good sized guy. He's built pretty well. He, he doesn't look out of sorts. You could drop him with that physique in 2017. He fits in perfectly. That didn't cut it in 1992. You needed to be the ultimate warrior size. You needed to be shredded like Rick Rude. You needed to be big like Hogan. I mean, everybody, the Davy Boy Smith was tanked up. Sid Vicious was t- Everybody back in that era was just completely jacked up and tanked. So then, guys yeah, like Smothers. I wonder Smothers, why most of them are dead now. Yeah, and guys like Smothers. That's why, looking back on it, he really wasn't that small. These other guys were just freaking ama- just huge. I mean, insanely huge. Andy, what what do you think about that? Yeah, it goes back to you know the the origins of wrestling was 
yeah, he's a big guy, but he looks like he could be in a barroom brawl. And then around this era was when they started, you know, the steroid. I call it steroid era. And all these guys are jacked with the six-pack abs and, you know, 46-inch biceps and all this crap. And they turned into cartoon characters. And now they're trying to go back to the, you know, okay, this guy legitimately looks like he could kick your ass. And, you know, I I don't know. I kind of like to overlook it. That's why I like Smoky Mountain Wrestling better than WCW or the WWF at the time. Yeah, I mean, you just look at it, and today Smothers fits in perfectly. But 1992, he was just – he was a little guy. and He wasn't a little guy. That's what's sad about it. He, he, he's a little guy, but he's not little. Dustin Rhodes in WCW – Six foot six, uh, not a. But he didn't look like a big dude because he's out there with all these jacked up guys. It, it's, it's just a perception. Yeah, yeah. It's like the larger in life guys that that were against, uh, you know, against him at the time. And the only guy that I can think of that's been even close to as big as him was that he was he was like a shorter guy, but he's jacked up. He was only in the Smoky Mountain for like a. I forget his name now. Uh, you know, the, tall. I mean, he was a bit. He was tall. I don't know. Anyway, he was the only. He's dead now. Uh, he's the only one that was. It's like kind of jacked up and. Um. Nah, I'm. I'm he was gonna, the only. Oh, Doug Furness. Doug Furness. Yeah, Doug. Yeah, Furness yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. Him. <laughs> As Andy said. So, but yeah, but he, not... he was the only one that, that looked kind of bigger than life. So far. Yeah, promotion. Furnace was he was a huge he, he was a huge black man, right, Andy? <laughs> I thought he I thought he was. I did. I honestly thought he was. I thought he was at least biracial. Yeah, he's, I'm he's, sorry. I didn't know he had Italian blood in him. Yeah, so. yeah, it, it, yeah. But I mean, he and you know he he was all jacked up. And, Carl Styles was pretty jacked up too. Can't forget well, about yeah, that. He, he went off the rocker and. Got a speeding ticket or something. <laughs> He's still stuck in Hayside, Virginia. <laughs> yeah, Mister Dutch didn't come and get him out. <laughs> yeah, God, they really missed the boat with poor old Styles. But anyway, we'll we'll move on. Yeah, so, sure. A homemade sign in the audience uh, says "Go Rock and Roll Express," and it's the the person that's holding the sign is this masked individual, and. <laughs> It looks like the it looks like the mask is losing the battle of girth. <laughs> it's slowly being absorbed by the face. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you just, I can't do that justice. You just need to see it. If I if I had to go to Vegas, I'd have to bet that that is a woman. It's so oh god! If I had to bet, but. Either way, Pat really let herself that go. My, if it, that was my mother or father. I'd be so friggin' embarrassed if I was that kid. Oh. And I can fall into it. They didn't know any better. You know, I guess it's down south, I guess. They're like, oh, this is normal. Good God. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we, walk, <laughs> we walk around in masks every Friday night. <laughs> you, you, think, mean, you, you think it, you northerners know what foreplay is you ain't seen foreplay until you br- break out the wrestling two mask 
<laughs> Come here, little feller. Squeal like a pig. But I near 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 I'm sorry. Okay, all right. Anyway, back to the. It would be. It, it would. I mean, it would kind of be okay. It would be a little more acceptable if it was the the father, I guess. But uh, <laughs> your mother, can't, I can't imagine. I think we have a better chance of that being the Holy Ghost. The Rock and Roll <laughs> Express is at the desk. Morton says. Rock and roll is here to stay. It, no, he doesn't say it because if he said it one more time, I was going to be hanging in that closet <laughs> that we talked about earlier. God. Oh. So, yeah. This oversaturation of the Rock and Roll Express is, oh, it was awful in the first episode, and it continues. Yeah. I think in these three episodes, I know it's one taping. I think we see him. I don't know. 36 times. times. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was trying to be nice. 12 times. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah but watch the crowd. I mean, they were uh, so they get, freaking hot back then that it wasn't they, even funny. Yeah, they get they get pops. I mean, I'll give them that. So, but uh, it's nearly as bad as a double dose of the piss shower. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's bury ourselves about with even, everybody while we're at it. Uh, <laughs> match number two, Mike Sampson, Tim Horner. So Dutch is making fun of Horner giving him the lot by giving the lightning bolt away. He says that he's touched by how he treats little children. Huh. That um Dutch Mantel with the inside jab at Tim Horner. Uh well he is a time traveler, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh Dirty White Boy at the desk. Ron Wright says that he's on good medicine now. And he's not on that generic stuff. Dirty White Boy says that he might be doing good against that feller. He's wrestling, but he couldn't do it against the Dirty White Boy. So Dutch is saying how Horner should be suspended for all of his backbiting. D- Dutch just completely kissing up to the Dirty White Boy. Back? Uh, Andy, okay. uh, translate. Yes. Uh, backbiting, that is where you stab people in the back or attack them like from concealed positions. Oh, I see. You know, a, like a coward, sweet. yeah. It's a, it's a different term for backstabbing. I got mm. you. I really didn't know. Yeah, it's 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 a southern thing. Horner, he wins with that uh, natural bridge. Then he chases after the dirty white boy, but they, they hightail it off. So... Horner is then at the desk. He gets back to the desk. He says they must have ran track, which is kind of accurate because Dirty White Boy was moving pretty good for a big guy. And Horner says that he's got mad, but now it's time to get even. And when you dance, you have to pay the fiddler. Yeah, okay. I'm, good one. My good God, one. man. You corny ass. Say, Come on. At least he didn't say he, he was going to walk a mud hole in his ass and stomp it dry. <laughs> Well, no, but he went through so many uh, of these corny, you know, if you dance with the, you got to pay the filler. If you mess with the bull, you get the horns. If you get the lightning, you're going to get struck or something. I'm I'm like, how many things are you going to throw out there, buddy? Uh, That's why he won't be around a whole lot longer, Andy. He he don't have a lot more to go. No, no, thankfully. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Desk with Bob Armstrong and Sandy Scott and Mark Curtis. Sandy yes, Scott. the all-knowing, all-seeing board. The referee, the commissioner, and some dude that is Sandy. Yeah, yeah who, who the hell is that dude in the shitty suit? I, uh, he was I a, thought maybe. He was a big... You, 
he was Go big ahead. in the NWA back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, he was around the Carolinas a lot. His brother was George Scott, who was a booker in the NWA and uh, WWF. So Sandy Scott is yeah. a known name to me, it, but I'm a it, nerd. It, well, I mean, and it, well, that's all right. For, and I know you are in, rest, in this Southern wrestling. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but it's – but I – what, you know, when the first thing I asked about Bob Armstrong, I said, who the hell was that? That bad-wearing bastard. But anyway, bad shirt-wearing bastard, I should say. But yeah. uh, he, he got, you guys are like, oh, my God, you don't know who that is because I guess he's like a legend down south. I thought this guy was another legend. Well, no, no, so no not, the, not the same kind of – no, it's, it's not the same uh, concept of Bob Armstrong. No, he he's known, but it just surprised me that the whole committee was three people. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't find the, a few random people floating around backstage. Yeah, where Marshall. was the principal from Morristown West that was on earlier? We need him. He, he he's um he's trying to bail Jackie Fulton out of jail right now. <laughs> he, he was a substitute. Yeah, so. Sandy Scott says that the master doesn't belong in Smoky Mountain. Mark Curtis says that he agrees to a point, but Brian Lee should have the opportunity to face the master head on. And Bob Armstrong says, yeah, let him come on in. So the master is incoming next week. Yeah, Mark, poor yeah. Mark Curtis. He looks a little bit lost here. Yeah, well, then I say incoming next week, but he's got to get through the Night Stalker first, which is the, uh, what is this? Yeah, it's not the main event. It's weird that this isn't the main event, but match number three, the Night Stalker against primetime Brian Lee. So Lee comes out, he attacks the Night Stalker, clothesline over the top rope. Lee's beating him down, big power slam, good drop kick. Uh, Then he, I give him all the credit, and then he gets him in a choke on the ropes, and it looks like, I don't know. It looks like one of my three-year-olds is trying to choke him on the ropes. It's They could do a better job <laughs> to make it look more menacing than that. So uh, Malachi comes to the ring. He throws salt or something in Brian Lee's eyes. Uh, ashes. A- Andy, a- uh, what was that? The uh, 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 Oh, God. The Nazi dude. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Yeah, the ashes from the the stormtrooper. Just follow along with our episodes, and you will catch some of these references. So he throws the ashes from that one stormtrooper. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. All right. I just made the connection. (laughs) And Justin got the joke. So, And I thought it was bad about ripping on Kevin Kelly. Jeez. Oh, Lord. So, Bob, um, wait a minute. Yeah, this is a good big man match. It really is. And Bob is getting hot about the master. McConnell's, he's not very happy about him. (laughs) Dutch says, don't engage me in debate because I'll beat you. Suplex back into the ring. He's The Night Stalkers took over. He's beating on Brian Lee. Then 21 minutes and 36 seconds into the episode. Time stamp this. 2136, episode 40. Um... It was a back suplex to Brian Lee that looks like it should have broken his shoulder. Legit. It did hurt him. You could tell uh, the way he... Uh, that was was not a good landing at all. Andy, what did you... Did you you pick up on the fact that that looked uh, 
that looked pretty nasty. As soon as it happened, I was waiting to see the shoulder be dislocated because he he didn't land anywhere close to being right. He wasn't even in the same zip code as right. No. Yeah, and Justin's easy. I was was just hoping for the X sign from the ref. No, they didn't do that back then. They they actually just let him work it out. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I have a bone hanging out of my arm. Uh, Well, finish the match. (laughs) <laughs> like when Psycho Sid or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they now uh, that one was a little different. Uh, everybody knew, and <laughs> when somebody saw that, it was like one of those "Oh God, I'm going to throw up" <laughs> things. I'll never <laughs> ever see bo- that. Never. Just uh, yeah, whoever I mean, thought it was a good bo- idea bo- to have was- Sid Vicious. Yeah, that's that's like the two girls one cup. You can't unsee it. Oh God. Please, Jesus, uh, I'm out of the woods now. This is yeah, this was a really good match. Let's let's just let's get back to the <laughs> match. This was a good match. Lee finally he does catch him in a suplex. It was almost like a brainbuster. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was a good move. I don't know if they meant to do it that way, but it looked, I mean, super realistic. Yeah, and it was uh, the referee had got bumped. Yeah, this was just a good match. And the Night Stalker wasn't really known to have good matches coming into Smoky Mountain. He was not a hot commodity. And somehow, him and Brian Lee together have a really good match for TV. Lee, he wins with a roll-up after the Reaper holds Lee uh, for the Night Stalker. But Lee ducks, hits the Night Stalker, and uh, Lee rolls him up. So... What's that, Justin? Uh, what what note have you caught here? Yeah, I already alluded to it before. I I almost threw up before. Okay. Brian Lee had a decent match, I guess. Jesus, I just wanted to hear you say um, it again. Uh, yeah, March is down for prosperity. Um, uh, episode forty. <laughs> well, yeah, but and even even um. Even like uh, the Night Stalker, I mean, I, I remember him as Adam Bomb. He was not very good in WWE at all, or WWF at that time. I don't think he was ever very good, but this makes yeah, but he, it, this is a decent ever. match. I mean, it's yeah. a good, good, good. It was a good match. The sun shines on a dog's ass every once in a while. Yes. Now we're at the desk with Brian Lee. He says now he's got his chance with the Master. He's going to take him out next week. So, I don't believe it. I believe the master is just baiting Lee. Yes. Uh, a couple of, or yes, I've got to note a couple of ring rats are definitely ready oh, for I, the primetime experience <laughs> as we go to commercial. Very excited. Uh, we'll leave it there. <laughs> Down and dirty with Dutch. He's got the bodies and Jim Cornette with him. So we get a recap of what happened last week. And then Cornette says, Gibson's mother is a deaf mute. He said, well, <laughs> okay, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go finish. Then I'll, and he said I'll jump in. He wanted to break Gibson's fingers so he couldn't talk to his mother. That is savage. He's a deaf mute. He breaking his finger so he can't talk to his mother. You can't, uh, you, you can't get more low than that. No, I think it's a great, but <laughs> I know you guys, how you feel about how it, you know, if you talk about something like that with your mother, I mean, that's pretty low. 
No, no. Well, that's pretty low, but in all fairness, and I missed it the first viewing of the episode, Morton is the one that brings up that Gibson's mother is deaf and mute in the first interview. I missed it the first few times because he kind of mumbles it. But if you go back and look at it, I'll, I'll have to time stamp it. But he does mention that Robert's mother is deaf and mute. That's why the eye surgery is such a bad thing. Oh, good Lord. I didn't I didn't catch that. I missed it. So, yeah, drop, me too. Dynamite drop in, Monty. Thank you. <laughs> it's a bold move, Cotton. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, broadcasting well, school has really paid off. Continuity here with... Uh, <laughs> Which I didn't know it was continuity. So there we go. Tom Pritchard says Morton's lucky he's able to leave the ring, and so is Gibson. The bodies are going to put him out of business. Stan Lane says they are beat, hurt, and humiliated. So good interview with uh, Cornette and the bodies there. And um, I think that's all we we could talk about. Yeah, right like now. No, J- Justin, what, uh, I mean... Well, I mean, like always, uh, Cornette carries ev- everything in this whole promotion, I feel like, but especially he's on the mic. Yeah. Nothing really bad, that's all. So far, he's he's definitely carried a load. Uh, yep. The Dutch Mantel does a good job on the behind the scenes, though. Yes, he does, sure. Uh, the desk, we're back at the desk. Coddle talk, uh, talks... Coddle is talking, Dutch is holding up his signs again. One of them says, don't believe a word he says... They're on the phone with Nitro Danny Davis, and he's out of commission right now, and he kind of sounds like he's dying. <laughs> uh, oh. I know that he's probably just trying to maybe sell the uh, – I mean, Andy, if you, get, if you get stuck – Let him die. Let's let him oh, die. Oh, wait a minute. I know what's yes. happened here. He got stuck so hard, it's it's impacted his throat. <laughs> he has ripped his larynx plumb out. Oh, God. So – I don't know. I mean, I really don't know what they were trying to come across here. Either he, they were trying to make him appear that he was dying or that the pile driver has impacted his speech. I'm not sure. <laughs> and much like Billy Mays, wait, there's more. So Orndorff is at the desk now. <laughs> yeah, God day. almighty. Uh, Justin, not a fan of Nitro Danny Davis in the notes. Uh, Orndorff's at the desk. He's uh, not looking at the live camera. This is this is why you need to watch the episodes, people, and not just listen. To yes, he must be pretty whacked out all the time. It sure as hell seems like he's he's on. Uh, I no, I mean Orndorff's what's that, a pro. What's that Freebird Mountain? No, Orndorff's a pro. He just I I don't know if the lot was on the other camera or what, but this this is the, probably the best part. Uh, one of the best parts of all three episodes because. Orndorff is not looking at the right camera, but Bob Cottle is. And, and Bob Cottle is contemplating trying to turn Orndorff around. And he uses better judgment and just lets Paul finish his interview looking at the wrong camera. Um, uh, you just have to watch this because Orndorff, he, he's not looking at the right camera and Cottle is. And... Uh, that's why TV from 1992 is much better than it is now, because now that would never happen. But that was great. That's part of the experience. Right. And Orndorff is, uh, he freaks out. I mean, he has a, he, 
I guess he hasn't stuck anyone in, in a while. <laughs> At least an episode or two. November to remember. I guess, I guess in about 45 minutes. I don't know. Yeah. We, we have a November to remember dream match contest thing going on. And uh, the winner this week is Heather Norton. And she wanted yeah. to see Ronnie yeah. Garvin and Killer Kyle. I don't really know what planet that's a dream match, but we'll go with it. So Killer Kyle and Ronnie Garvin in the main event. So Garvin grabs a microphone. He says that he can see Paula was very upset. And it starts the crowd obviously chanting Paula. But the crowd, to their credit, are very into that. And they're happy. So Bob Cottle calls Kyle the Raging Bull, which was a gimmick that Manny Fernandez had. So maybe uh, Cottle's slipping into senility a little bit here. Uh, slow and plotting match, I've got the note. Trying to fill one another out, kind of some strongman stuff. Eventually, Orndorff comes out, and he's trying to steal his robe back. But then Orndorff and Killer Kyle double-team Ronnie Garvin. We get a DQ. Dixie Dynamite comes out, and he steals the robe. So we have a feud. It was a towel, and now we have a feud over a robe. The only logical progression to this is a towel and robe on a on a pole match. So I don't. That, oh, too bad they weren't doing uh, ladder matches with inanimate objects back then. Ronnie Garvin bails. Cornette uh, explains to Orndorff what happened to the robe. You can, and this is not like with a microphone in the ring, so all the idiots have to be guided through it. They don't have to be hand fed it. You can tell by body language what's going on. <laughs> Cornette shows, Orndorff is looking for his robe. Cornette explains what happened to the robe and Orndorff is very upset about it. He throws an absolute hissy fit. And Andy, am I wrong? Did did that need to have, did, did some idiot ring announcer need to walk in there and say, well, Mr. Wonderful, what happened to your robe? <laughs> No, see, that's the beauty of this type of wrestling. Let the performers, let their inner being come out and let their body language explain. You don't have to dumb it down and come out there. Hey, uh, that dude stole your robe. You don't get it back no more. No, they saw, you know, hey, Cornet's over our point and, you know, you lost your robe again. And then. You know, Orndorff goes into a conniption fit. It's it's wonderful. You don't have to beat people over the head with it. Justin, uh, what do you think? This at one time this was kind of funny, and you know, in the beginning and all that stuff with fight over a silly ass robe, and, and now it's a towel. <laughs> now it's getting a little bit creepy. <laughs> I know it's in 1993. <laughs> 1992 or whatever the hell this year was, but, uh, come on. We're, we're slipping into the deliverance territory possibly a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's almost, it almost, I don't know if I want to say desperation. It might not be the right word, but come on. I, it, it just was get, just get this over with some things that we can watch now. Uh, everything that we watch, we know we make fun and, of it because it's, you know, in the past, and we just like to have fun with the show, and a lot of it still can translate. So, that kind of that kind of an angle 
is really hard to translate now. It, it worked in the 70s and 80s. And, I mean, it was still working in Smoky Mountain in Hayseed, Virginia. But that kind of angle don't – it just don't hold up as much. So a guy that's never watched Smoky Mountain like you that's not <laughs> entrenched in southern wrestling, I definitely can see what the the problem you're having with this angle. Uh, that's yeah. just why – that's just why I don't get it at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I think I've talked about this before on the show or with you guys offline or whatever, but I think everything's funny. I mean, literally everything. I think we heard that earlier tonight. Yeah. But uh, it, 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 this was, it, it, it's, this is like silly to me. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Yeah. Okay, so we're now at the desk with Fantastics, and they are going to fight in a dream match contest next week. They're looking forward to wrestling clean. The stud stable comes out. Fuller says, come here, little feller. He just, <laughs> he, he just can't get the little feller. Th- and I, that'll never get old. Uh, he well, literally, because he knows. I guess he knows. He's been proud of it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 um, he could just literally come out and just say little feller. Kind of like Ron Simmons' gimmick when he was in the WWE. Just, uh, he Damn. Just out. Yeah. And that's what Ron Simmons says when he looks upon it, Robert it Fuller. So, <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, so, but yeah, r- literally, Robert Fuller could just, but he's such a good talker, they have to let the guy talk. He's obviously awesome <laughs> on the mic, but he cracks me up every time. Come here, little feller. <laughs> When you're six foot eight or whatever he is, and it's just it's uh, six, six, sixteen eight. and a half, three and three quarters. Ooh, all right, so, Jesus, alrighty. So Fuller, um, he says, "Who cares who the best loser is?" And we almost have a brawl as we go off the air. So that was that was episode forty, and God, thirty nine was good, forty was better, and forty one, folks is even better and we are going to cover that on the other side one more quick commercial timeout and we'll be back we see a murder we'll see yeah we're going to stop the murder on tv we're going to be back on the other side right after this timeout brought to you by ortega what do champion gymnast paul hom morgan hom and sean johnson have in common great taste and ortega my tacos the best I love Ortega's taco sauce. It makes my taco pop. My secret's the crunchy Ortega taco shell and diced green chilies. Beat that, bro. I take an Ortega soft tortilla and Ortega shell, the taco double twist. Boys, always competing. There's no competition. Ortega is the champion of great taste. Well, Andy, um, did uh, Sean Johnson make your taco pop? You have no idea how many times... Back to you, Bob. <laughs> Just, uh, Justin, would you like to comment on on uh, Sean Johnson? <laughs> I got nothing. Okay, episode forty-one. Dutch is in the back of the arena, and he's waiting on the arrival of the master. And oh Lord! He says that the master must be in a van outside of the building, and that's where Ronnie Garvin got it from. <laughs> he stole it <laughs> from the master. And that's where he lives. So, right? He lives down by the river. the river. Yes, he does. Or he did. Uh, I mean, not because he's broken poor. He just wants to because that's then that's cool. Match number well, one. Dirty, well, dirty white boy did too. Yeah, 
Well, that was storyline, but that was a bus. Sorry. Yeah, and it was a bus in a junkyard. Mike Sampson and Dirty White Boy. Speaking of match number one, squash. Not really a whole lot to say here. Dirty White Boy had Sampson. Now he did have he did pry his mouth open so he could smile at Mister Wright, and uh, he smacks Sampson around. He he's calling Horner to come on out. Now this is good though. I mean it's a squash match, but I like this. Horner comes out and Dirty White Boy has just been beating Sampson down, turn around, yelling for Horner to come out. Well, Horner does come out. He rolls Sampson out of the ring. So he's doing this behind the Dirty White Boy. The Dirty White Boy grabs Horner to pick. He's thinking he's picking Sampson back up, but it's Horner. And then Horner flat out. I, I don't. We'll talk about Tim Horner a lot. We saw him clock Buddy Landell, and that was probably one of the stiffest shots I've ever seen. A Horner can throw a right hand. I'll give that him that. That was real. It, live shot. It was a. It was yeah. a pretty good, pretty good ringer on the Dirty White Boy. So Dirty White Boy bails. He throws right in front of Tim Horner, and then Tim Horner proceeds to uh, play ring around the <laughs> Rosie with Ron Wright. He spins him around and around, and then, then the little subtle things. Ron Wright is drunk, so he crashes his his wheelchair into the TV <laughs> equipment. Love it. Can, Love it. Can you imagine him with a hover room? I mean, my oh, God, that, God. That was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, that. yeah I think it's a great segment all around, all, all the way around with, you know, Dirty White Boy. He's always great, right, with him bitching about his uh, ailmancer, I guess, if you want to call him that. And I, I'm telling you, like, the way – Dirty white boy is like in the ring. He does moves and stuff like that, and he starts screaming. He's a lot more talented than Psycho Sid was. But how Psycho Sid would do a move, and then he starts screaming at the crowd, and it, his mannerism and stuff like that, it's, it reminds me of him a lot. Yeah, and the jury. Which, I mean, Psycho Sid was probably one of my favorite characters, I'll say. He was a terrible wrestler. And his, his promos weren't the greatest, but that's what made him good, I guess you want to call it that. Yeah, no, Sid's a different kind of character. Um, he's one of the guys that can get away with being a bad wrestler just because he was he had that Huge. quality about him. Yeah. Whatever that is, he had it. Yeah. So we're, we're yeah. now at the desk with Tim Horner, and uh, Dirty White Boy says, the Dirty White Boy just keeps running. And uh, Dutch is checking Ron Wright's pulse off, <laughs> like off to the side there. Horner says that there's lumberjack rules at Thanksgiving Thunder, so the Dirty White Boy can't run anymore. I like that. They've had the Dirty White Boy running from Tim Horner now for three or four weeks. Basically, every time Horner comes out, Dirty White Boy takes off. So this is a good storyline where the match actually makes sense. A lot of times they do lumberjack matches anymore, and they don't make sense. This actually makes sense as to why they're doing a lumberjack match. Andy, my God, they're using real logic here. Yeah, and it's not just, you know, you wonder how did they get here. No, you see how they got here. He ran from him in week one. He runs from him in week two. He throws Ron right to him and runs from him in week three. Okay, now we're leading up to a big match, and, hey, you can't run from me no more. It makes sense. The fans get it. It, it's logical wrestling, and it's sadly missing here lately. Oh yeah, Justin, what do you what do you think about this? 
Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, here's what I'll say. Be quite honest. I hope uh, Tim Horner doesn't beat Dirty White Boy. I'd be so pissed. <laughs> that, that lunatic. That lunatic. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know when Thanksgiving th- is. That the next pay per view? Yeah, or, I mean, is, it, it would be yes, it is the big, next, the big thing. Yeah, because we're right here. We're in October of Smoky Mountain. Okay, so we're, and we're it, you know, but it, it's it's a, like a different thing to do, I guess, at this point. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah. Hopefully it's a good match. Tim Horner's a decent, he's a decent worker. He does some weird things around the ring. And, but anyway, so that's yeah. it. And, uh, well, honestly, that's the only problem that Smoky Mountain at this point in time has run into. I think is there's no big name baby faces. Yes. You've got a bunch of good heels but there's no real good baby face. I know they tried to push Brian Lee, but he just wasn't ready yet. Horner, he's a mid-card, like, intercontinental champion-type wrestler, but there's still no big-name baby face yet. It's because they've got the, the Rock and Roll Express as a tag team. I think they thought that Lee... I mean, we've talked about this. Cornette wanted Terry Taylor. To be the guy, and I think yep. Terry Taylor in 1992 could have been repaired from the Red Rooster gimmick to the point no doubt. where they could have made him a good babyface for Smoky Mountain. But he couldn't get him. He couldn't get Brad Armstrong, which was the other one he wanted, which he would have also been light years better than what they got. Then he tried to bring in Doug Furness, but Furness just liked Japan too much, so he bolted on him. And they're kind of still left with Brian Lee, and that's why they had to throw Tim Horner in there because they've got Ronnie Garvin, which would be a good backup. I, actually, Garvin may have made a little more sense to be the, the next feud for the Dirty White Boy, but they've got him still messing around with Orndorff. And the, but we bring, they've brought in Tracy Smothers, so I think Cornette actually – is trying to self-correct a little bit, and he realizes they need yeah. something. And Dixie Dynamite, Danny Davis, those guys are—they're fine for what they are, but they're not on that level. Tim Horner—they got to get somebody that—that's more on that level, and that's—that's that's why they're getting Tracy Smothers to come in. Okay. So yeah, I think, I, I, and I think that's what's going to happen—is Smothers will come in and he'll. I, that's at least my theory. I know you guys know, but uh, he's going to be their main baby face, hopefully. Because, like you said, I mean, it's good. The tag team division's almost the main show at this point. I mean, Dirty White Boy's a champion. I mean, I know he wrestles every show or whatever, but he's a heel. Right. So, see how it goes moving forward. So we're we're at home with Danny Davis now. He was on the phone with him last week. Now we're at home, and uh, he's he's sitting on a plain brown couch. Now we of have course. discussed his attire before, and it looks like that he was using the upholstery from his couches to make his wrestling trucks. So maybe that's why he's on a plain brown couch because that's all he's got left. But he does he have pink, to the leather. He, he does have pink pillows though. He does yeah, have nice. Yeah, nice pillows. What the? I mean, who, 
<laughs> so Dave, mm. Davis says that he's Never not going to be intimidated by Paul Orndorff. <laughs> and uh, during this interview, we have an appearance um, by Danny Davis's um, kitty cat. And uh, he, yeah. he, he begins. Oh, come on. He begins petting his kid. No, he does. I mean, we do. It's on the. Sh- it's like I'm not making this up. <laughs> no, I know. The cat I comes know. out. I... Davis starts yeah. petting the cat. It's. Well, I mean, this is kind of weird, but whatever. So, we uh, we're, we're done with Danny Davis. I don't think we have to talk about him. Yeah, I know. He's so fucking poor. He's poor. He, he just is. Get rid of him. <laughs> if he went. Honestly, crazy cat, went, crazy cat man, Daddy Davis. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I mean, if, if he goes away, fine. He has been bad since day one since we've been doing this show. Yeah, he really uh, has. The and it's so With the, the terrible outfits, and it's sad. It is. It's sad. It is. Yeah, it's, because you guys said he was like a a big deal. He was back before he went to this promotion. In the mid to late 80s, the nightmares were, God, they were the, they were one of the best tag team. I mean, not independent, but because they didn't have independence, but, you know, the territories in the Knoxville area, in the Memphis area, Alabama, Florida, the nightmares, Danny Davis and Ken Wayne, they were awesome. Uh, They were great heels. They were pretty good baby. They had a feud with each other where Danny Davis turned uh, babyface. It was, they were, it's not even like the same guy. I don't know how they could either, he was slowing down that much and was actually starting to really slow down or they just really didn't have a clue how to use him. I don't know. Because this is one thing that I, it does puzzle me how Danny Davis is not any, better than he is in Smoky Mountain. Yeah, and yeah, you've said that, said that from the very beginning. Sure. It's kind of the reverse of Stone Cold Steve Austin because in WCW, yeah, he was kind of popular, but they really didn't know what to do with him. And then you flip the script over to Stone Cold in the WWF, and he explodes. It's, it's like the complete opposite. He starts off as a badass, and then he gets here and it's like they didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. So we're at the desk. We're at the. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't figure out what's going on there. Paul Orndorff's at the desk though, and he doesn't care about Danny Davis. At least he knows his name this time. And he says, "You can't take Lassie and make Ren ten ten. I don't have a clue what he's talking about. He's at least looking at the live camera. What? Wait a minute. What do you mean you don't have a clue? <laughs> uh, yeah. You don't understand this? Yes, I know what he's talking about. It just, okay. I, don't, I don't like the, I don't like, the reference is kind of stupid. Um, <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> you think? You wasn't a Lacey fan, were you? Mm, uh, yeah, I like the, I like Timmy and Lassie okay. The, the black and white version. So. If we're going to start talking about 60s and 50s and 60s TV shows, we could throw Mr. Ed and uh, Andy Griffith and uh, Dragnet in there. And I'll be happy. Works for me. Okay, carry in them. Okay, so Orndorff says that he can beat Dixie, or no, Danny Davis and 
was it Danny and Dixie? He's he can beat somebody at the same time. Maybe it's Danny Davis. He can beat he can beat one of the double D's. I don't know which one. Yeah. So <laughs> Justin, yeah, he what's he asking the, the audience? Uh, he asked the red rednecks uh, understand what the he's saying and Paul. And I'm the Yankee on this show, right? Uh, yeah. I don't even know what the fuck he's saying. <laughs> but it makes it so funny, though. Well, he, he, he's definitely um, he's definitely slowly losing control. We get to match number two. and I, I, I think, uh, by the way, I think almost like sometimes he like really like legitimately gets into his promos. Oh, yeah. He, and loses his mind, like for real. Like loses. I'm not talking about like. <laughs> his acting thing. I mean, he, I, I think he literally freaks out. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. He, he's, he mean, definitely gets into it, the character. It, um, yeah. Yes, he does. So, match number two, Paul Lee and Mr. Semi-Perfect, uh, Robbie Eagle, versus the Heavenly Bodies. Uh, the only note that I've got was this is a very quick squash match, and we now have a name for their finisher, and it's called the Meteor Shower. I would have named it something different. Uh, they, they wear gold. I naturally would have just called it the Golden Shower. And Cornette should have done that because in 1992, he definitely, definitely could have gotten away with that. Yeah. Can't make infringement. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> we are the, we're, we're making up gimmicks later, though, so we, we're infringing on our own gimmicks now. So there's yep. not much to say about that match. It was just a squash match. Cornette's at the desk with the Heavenly Bodies, and they have an announcement. Uh, Cornette belittles the guy who tells him to wrap it up. There's a guy apparently off camera telling him to wrap it. And Cornette <laughs> basically said, I'm paying the bill. You're going to stand there and film this, or I'm going to kick your ass and fire your fire you <laughs> like I don't believe I'd be telling the boss to wrap anything up. You can go as long as you want to. So, Thanksgiving Thunder, November the 26th to the 29th, four faces of fear. They're going to have a Texas death match, a Falls Count Anywhere match, a Barbar Cage match, and a Smoky Mountain street fight. Titles on the line every night. Now, that sounds like a lot of blood to be shed by these four guys in the coming weeks. Andy? What what uh, are you? Which of the four matches would you look forward to the most? There, uh, I I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn between the Bolivar Cage match and the Smoky Mountain Street Fight because you never know what's going to get pulled out in either one of them. The Texas Death Match, yeah, those are good. Falls Count Anywhere, you know, good gimmick. But the the Bolivar and the Street Fight, that's where the blood's going to be shed. Yeah, what, what the hell is it? Texas Deathmatch. Are we about to see that here in a minute? No, no, that that was uh, uh, yeah, kind of, but not 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 in the same respect that you're thinking <laughs> of. The Smoky. Mountain, I'm a little bit slow tonight. Oh Lord, that took me a minute. It's the Smoky Mountain Street Fight. Uh, I would imagine that it's kind of like a Falls Count anywhere, except they're wearing street clothes. Uh, pretty much the same concept, I would imagine. What kill, was Killer Kyle? He pulled a coat hanger out one episode. Yep. And, oh, he yeah. tried to infamous. Yeah. Thank God they aborted that attack. Yeah. So I mean, who knows what they're going to pull out in a Smoky Mountain street fight? For God's sakes, and 
throw a glass eye Robert Gibson. <laughs> I'm picturing a moonshine steel to the head. I I don't know why. Oh, down and dirty with Dutch. He's got Tracy Smothers. Yeah, Dutch welcomes him to Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He says that there are some really tough guys. Smothers says that he's eventually he eventually wants a shot at the SMW title. Dutch asks him about the ladies. Smothers says there's a lot of pretty Southern boys. And then quickly corrects himself and says Southern Bells. Yeah, God. yeah. what is it with all these maniacs, with all these references down I, south? I what, the, I, what is this? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I cannot defend this. I, I don't, don't even have an answer for that one. I, uh, I mean, he used to, well, I know what it is. He's the wild-eyed Southern boy. And naturally, he's used to saying Southern boy, and it was a reflex. At least he caught himself pretty quick. I hope so, at least. Jeez. He might have caught it himself, but Ronnie Garvin heard you, big boy, and you better run. <laughs> yeah, no, well, or okay. Smothers. <laughs> Smothers says that he could go ahead. See, now the one thing I have a problem with. Smothers says that he could go ahead and test Dutch tonight because he's been running his mouth. He says if you can't get along, you got to get it on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dutch calls Girl. him a big mouth. So now the thing I have a problem with is Dutch. I don't. Not, I'm trying to remember back to the last episode. I don't think he said a whole lot bad about Smothers, and he was actually pretty nice to him in this interview. So Smothers <laughs> kind of looks like a uh, he kind of looks like the bad one. Just looking at just watching the episode, like why'd you pick on Dutch for? <laughs> he was just interviewing <laughs> you. And you was picking a fight with him. I think he's secretly a cousin of, uh, what was his name, uh, Carl Stiles. Carl Stiles' yeah. cousin? That'd be a good yep. uh, segue. Uh, Justin. Uh, I mean, uh, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to ask you your thought on that. Well, I, I, I think, I mean, you should, I, I don't know if that's like kind of the real thing or whatever, but uh, Dutch is going to be your biggest uh, promoter, basically. For the most part, besides uh, Jim Cornette, I wouldn't be saying something like that. You know, I could be wrong, but he, he's he's trying to make his name in that promotion and say something like that. I don't know. I don't know if it, it was real or not, but who knows? Yeah. It's hard to tell with him, <laughs> with Tracy's really mothers. It really is. Yeah, he's he's good. He's very good. So we're, we, we go to the desk with the Rock and Roll Express. They're fired up about that Four Faces of Fear match. Thank God Norton didn't pull out the line. I would, he, uh, he, that was a short and quick promo, thankfully. And we go into our dream match. Oh, Andy, would you like to say something about this? Oh, I was just wanting to comment that he was wearing a Rod Runch T-shirt. So, you know, represent Smoky Mountain, brother. Good job. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I didn't catch that, but... That was good. What? That's in October, so that must have just taken place, and he was sporting his new Rod Runs t-shirt. <laughs> he just got back. He just got back, yep. That's actually where Gibson was. He was stuck at the Rod Run. That's why he, he was close yeah. enough to get to the match. They lied. It was a whole big schmoz. So we, get, we finally get our dream match that everybody's clamoring to see, Bobby and Jackie Fulton against one another. <sighs> Uh, Dutch Mantel is not very happy with Tracy Smothers, <laughs> as you can only imagine. And Bob Cottle says that he knew that Dutch was ready to go after him. Now, now at this point, Bob <laughs> Cottle sounds like he is in Dutch Mantel's corner. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is 
it kind of reminds me of the King and Jr. You know, because they would go at each other all the time. But when the King had to go for a match, Jr. had his back. You know, it's just weird. Justin, would you like to explain what scientific wrestling is? <laughs> what the shit is it? Scientific wrestling, you wacko coddle. They, they, I mean, he's like, almost, is he losing his mind? No, that's the, that's Did what he I, say he was still alive. Yeah, he's, he's still alive. alive. He's still, he's still yeah. there. No, it is a southern. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's southern. What is science? I mean, it's a, I, I'm being, I, I'm kind of being serious here. Te- I mean, what the hell is a technical science? match, amateur style? Like, I mean, okay, where they're not, like, where they're not doing punches and kicks, and it's more. <laughs> About locks and holds and takedowns. It's more of an amateur style match. That's what scientific like, wrestling is in this spectrum. In the uh, quote unquote pro wrestling, right? Yeah. So anytime two, re- anytime you see two baby faces fight, anytime from, oh God, I don't know, the seventies all the way up, mm-hmm. uh, it's a scientific wrestling match. For a long time, that's what they called it. So. He actually has not lost his mind. This is just what the term was. They called it a scientific match. Andy, would you like to drop anything yeah. here? I, I was just going to say, basically, there's no eye poking or nut punching, and they call it scientific. There you go. So we get... The master's entrance music has been delivered to the truck, which is a weird thing to say during the middle of a match. We don't know who this guy is, and he's a devious son of a bitch, but he has sent his music. <laughs> okay. We're going to make sure that he's got... See, that's the thing that people that's hard to suspend their belief in wrestling anymore. When you have a surprise return, how does a guy in the truck know to hit the music? Like, how do you know the guy's coming back? Oh, my God, it's him. Well, somebody knew. They had to load it. I'm here to tell the world. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Lord. Okay. Oh, Lord. So, uh, we're having a scientific match. Uh, we get the stud stable out at the desk. And Jimmy Golden says they don't know anything about wrestling, and somebody needs to show them how to throw a punch and a kick in between the legs. Robert Fuller says he loves Dutch, but he came to watch the Munchkin match. It might as well be <laughs> Lord Littlebrook and some uh, – uh, Robert Fuller does not like small people. He's got a problem with midgets. I think he watched the uh, Wizard of Oz too many times and got scared by him. You know, the uh, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. He's, he's having a problem with the <laughs> that, that movie still gives me horror stories. Oh, <laughs> so the Fantastics eventually, they do a double head knock and, and knock each other down. So the stud stable come to ringside. They clock Bobby Fulton. Then Jackie goes for the pin and then realizes, because the fans are yelling at him, that the stud stable has hit Bobby. So now Jackie springboards over the top rope and splashes both of them, and we uh, we have a small fight before the stud stable took off. Uh, kind of what you would expect. They were setting up the... The Stud Stable Fantastics feud going forward. I, I liked it. I mean, for what it was, basically because of the Stud Stable providing the entertainment at ringside, but it was, it was good for what it was. Andy, what do you think? 
Well, it, it was another one of them like you were talking about. Nobody had to come out there and beat the fans over the head with, hey, they cheated and he realizes they cheated. He's the good guy, so he ain't going to accept the win that way. The body language done it. The, the wrestlers told the story themselves, and that's what I love about this era of wrestling. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Justin, what – I know that uh, the match was not very enthralling to you, but uh, the storyline, this was this was more storyline-driven than a match. Justin is out. Or he has muted his microphone. No, I'm here. Oh, you, you were, you're not. You, <laughs> Shit, I was, I, was try, I was trying to play a sound for you. Oh, didn't I didn't work. hear it. I didn't hear it. It was too long no, for, my, for my uh, recording software. No, it was, a little bit. Uh, it was boring. I mean, it was fine. I mean, whatever. Boring as hell. Kept me. The commentary kept me awake. Yeah. So I blew that. I was trying to. I, no, trying I to just figure did, out I just couldn't story, hear it. Story <laughs> I just didn't hear it. That, that's all right. No big. But yeah, it was fine. I mean, they're they're both. Well, Bobby Fulton's decent, but Jackie, I don't know. Take yeah. her, take him or leave him. Yeah. But Whatever. We're at the desk now with Fantastics. They've got Bob Armstrong with them. Next week, Fantastics and Stud Stable Dream Match. So, there we go. A review of the Lee and the Master storyline. Now, since they've been building this for so long, they, if you have just picked up on episode 41 of Smoky Mountain and you want to know what happened, just watch this because it literally shows everything between Lee and the Master leading up to this. A 10-minute skit. So now we have the final, finally, the Master against Brian Lee. And we get Druid music for the Master. He's got a black robe on. The crowd, yes, Justin, the crowd, they they don't know what to do. They look... Yeah, they, they, they look legit scared. I mean, it's like, it's like they're... They might die tonight. Who hey. knows? <laughs> hey, Martha, when... There is... A- let me introduce you to a southern saying, Justin. It's called "They didn't know whether to shit or go blind." Oh, jeez. Yeah, okay. that's a good. Well, that's a good yeah. one because literally, it's like, "Hi, hey, Martha. When's the last time uh, old Junior pulled out that Ouija board?" Because uh, we're, 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 Ouija board. Jesus. Yeah. When are like a night? Okay. Yeah, around that time. Yeah, so uh, th- this is one of those things. It's like this is throwing them into some kind of a evil dance type of moment. In all seriousness, it, I mean, it really is cool. Like because these maniacs, I mean, they really think that something's going on. Like, oh yeah, yeah, they, uh, and, and that's awesome. And see, this is what I loved about this: the whole time he's coming out, the lights yeah. aren't dimmed. There's no pyrotechnics. There's nothing, you know, there's no trickery. It's just a dude in a robe, and you're like, who the hell is this? Yeah. No, you, right. uh, you didn't need no magic. You just knew that there's a guy in a black robe, and uh, he's been doing some devious things. So we get it, and the crowd is crazy. He crawls into the ring, and then uh, it wasn't no grand reveal. He just pulls the robe off it's kevin freaking sullivan and 
first. Where, where is woman? Where is Nancy? I I don't know. At this point, I think I don't know. If she I think she was already out of WCW. I think she's still alive. I don't. Oh yeah, she's definitely still alive then. I have no Canada? idea where Nancy was. What? Maybe she was in Canada. I don't know. Oh God. Not yet. Oh, Jesus. So Sullivan throws a fireball. Now, nothing says Southern wrestling like getting the fireball in your face. So Sullivan, there is no match here. He throws a fireball immediately. And then he gets the Oriental Spike. And he starts carving Lee up like the Thanksgiving turkey. He, well, Cottle says Sullivan's criminally insane. He kills Mark Curtis. <laughs> the disciples are in the ring. Lee is bleeding. I love all of uh, th- see, I think this may be, because this is also in Hayside, Virginia, in the same taping. This makes sense now why Ricky Morton didn't bleed in that first episode, but just a little bit. Because it would have lessened what's happening here. I, maybe not. Because Lee just cuts an absolute gusher. Sullivan is beating the crap out of him. Paul Lee tries to come in. He gets kicked out. They keep stomping on Brian Lee. Mike Sampson, Robbie Eagle come out. The cameraman gets knocked out. Bob Cottle says to call the law or the army. It's to the point where we're going to call the army in. And he leaves the desk. Bob Cottle gets up and leaves. Dutch calls him an idiot, but then Dutch... His motherly instinct takes over. He's like, please come back, Bob. You're going to get killed. Get away from the <laughs> ring. Lee is absolutely bleeding all over the place. There's more jobbers getting beat up. Dutch just keeps bleeding with Bob Cottle. The Fantastics come out. They get beat. Dixie Dynamite gets beat. Bob Cottle is trying to help Mark Curtis up. This is the epitome and the definition of Tennessee wrestling. Uh, that's what it's all about. I mean, complete and utter <laughs> chaos and this, blood. This is this is this is this is fucking great. It really is. <laughs> I mean, and it's not only because it's Brian Lee. It's because this is so believable with the crowd. You you got the hero, if you want to call him that. Jeez, and then you got this maniac. Uh, Kevin Sullivan, which he, he was all, he was always a wacko, you know, and every single character he played in WCW. I don't know if he was ever in WWE, but th- that doesn't matter. And this is, this is awesome. This is, this is a, <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment. For, I don't know how, how many, how many, how many months has it been? Fourteen. Uh, yeah, it's been over a year. And I freaking love it. And now Brian Lee is. I mean, and, and they're they're actually acting like they're really killing him. I mean, obviously oh. they don't want anybody to really die, but I, they, I mean that 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 that's what they portray. Yeah, I mean because a, they're giving him they're, CPR in the ring. After right, that. you know, <laughs> and, and that's what they, it's so stinking funny. I mean, and he's convulsing. Like, uh, bad shirt, com- or same shirt comes out, and he, he's trying to do some fake CPR. I think uh, this it's great. Okay, so <laughs> th- what <laughs> makes this even better? I mean, it can't get much better. Please, for the love of God, 
If you listen to any of our episodes and you don't follow, I mean, you maybe don't watch the episodes. I don't know why you wouldn't, but watch the end of this episode. Watch the last 10 minutes because it's some of the best TV you will ever see as a wrestling fan. And what makes it so good is because it actually it throws believability. It's believable. I mean, the guy is beating him with an yeah. oriental spike, and you believe it. You're like, he's killing him, and I'm watching it now thinking he's killing him, <laughs> and I know that he's not. But the the best part yeah. about this, the, I think, really, the best part about this, there's a microphone at ringside. It's not working, and this makes it better. The, they've got a microphone at ringside, but it's not working. Bob Armstrong utters, he says, and I quote, that son of a bitch is banned for life. <laughs> And I mean, there was no bleeps. He said it, and anybody that had, besides Robert Gibson's mother, could have heard it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I mean, and right before that, you got Dutch, um, and like you say, it's off of the regular microphone to where you just hear the echo, and he's over there going, "We ain't gonna see none of this shit on TV," and you're like, "This is '93. That that wasn't said back then." No, and. And Dutch is even, at this point, Kevin Sullivan is such a bad guy that even Dutch Mantel's appalled. When you can get Dutch Mantel upset at something, and he hates Brian Lee, when you go over that threshold, that showed the next level of bad guy. Dutch is a bad guy, and he's a piece of crap. Kevin Sullivan is evil incarnate. He is the, the they always he he's always quoted in shoot interviews that he wasn't the devil. He never pretended to be the devil. He never said he was the devil. He didn't have to. He and he didn't try to be the devil. He was evil incarnate. And the things that you dream up in your heads way better than anything that they can force down your throat on TV. So he let them he let people believe that he was just as bad as they wanted him to be in their mind. <laughs> And that's why Kevin Sullivan's a genius. <laughs> I mean, quite honestly, one of the best bookers, best minds ever in wrestling because he actually could think through this crap. And this angle is off the chart awesome. They they get a live mic finally at ringside. They bleep Bob Armstrong. He calls him an SOB again. They bleep it. I don't know why because the last time it was... <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely out there. Hey, that's, a, that's the best thing he's ever done. It's, 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 oh, look, let's do a fine and do all that silly ass shit he does all yeah, the time. No fines. You're banned for life. Silly. And I mean, even Dutch Mantel agrees yeah, it, that, that, that that's it. He should be. Yeah. I mean, he, he, this one actually seemed, you know, believable, I guess, right? I guess you want to call it that. Yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody had the 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 reaction that they should have had. You had the yeah. baby faces come out and try to save Brian Lee, and it wasn't just like yep. trying to save him. They were desperately trying to save him, and Kevin Sullivan's guys was beating him off. It was a mad friend. <laughs> wait, wait, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were trying. <laughs> um, that's a cut. That's a cut. Well, and I'm trying to be serious for once, and I just walk right into that. <laughs> yeah, but it goes back to like you said. He, 
I mean, honestly, if you break it down into just wrestling moves, what did he do? He came out there and he started stabbing him with a spike. That's it. But well, the he, way he, well, he does threw fire it at him is first. amazing. He, he threw fire at him and then started stabbing him. Yeah. But the way he does it is what adds to it because you're like, this dude is psycho. He's literally trying to stab him in the brain. Yeah, it, I, it, there was no wrestling moves. Sullivan didn't try to put an arm bar on him. He didn't hit him with a clothesline. He just started stabbing him. Because if you're a maniac psychopath and you want people to believe that you're completely nuts, you throw you throw fire at them and then you stab them. I mean, you, you can't, uh, cut, cut, cut. You can't get no more clear than that. Yeah, yeah everybody and he, knew. He, he had to. He had to look too. He totally had to look of yeah. a wacko. He really did. Yeah, it's so believable. Oh my God! So, fans. Um, Brian Lee. Brian Lee is on the uh, bad bad end of this stuff. So, well, he's on. I, I can't. I couldn't be more happy. <laughs> you were just <laughs> praising the guy. Now you're happy that he's dead. <laughs> I would never wake that, but, but I know what you mean. No, yeah, I mean, the storyline is just beat up. Right, yeah, I mean, if he was dead in the storyline, oh, yeah, it'd be awesome. Okay, so now we're through this Hayside, Virginia taping, which is weird that we're at, at a weird place that nobody knows about, and it's the best taping Smoky Mountains had, and it ain't even close, I don't think. Not the match quality, per se, and Smoky Mountain, as you'll find out, through the TV episodes is not driven on match quality on TV because back then they sold the TV to try to get people to come to the live shows. That's why the local promos were so important. They used TV to drive people to the live matches. So I get it. But the Brian Lee Night Stalker match is one of the best matches we've seen so far Smoky Mountain, period. It was a really good match. And then the angle with Sullivan and Lee was by far the best angle we've had, and it ain't even. And we've had good angles, but it's not even close. And you got to figure that the people watching at home on TV saw this and said, wait a minute, if that could happen at Hayside, Virginia, what's going to happen when they come to Johnson City or Knoxville? Or, you know, so you was like, well, wait a minute, I need to go see this. Oh, yeah. And it worked perfectly for them. Oh yeah, I mean they that hook, line, and sinker. I'm I'm there. If I could get back in the time machine, I don't care where they is at the next week. I'm going. So yeah, it a, yeah, it, that was the be, the best thing Cornette did probably. Well, obviously thus far, but I can't imagine. I know going forward, I think there's three more years in the in their promotion. I can't imagine anything better than what. They just did. They yeah. the, there's a couple of things that I think. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm watching this now, so it's fresh. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of things though that I wouldn't go out there and say that there might not be a couple of things that's still out there that could be better. I would have to rewatch them, and I've been really trying. Not I'm not watching ahead. So okay, but. It- but, but this is at least the first thing that they did, like you said, to, to get people to come out and watch it or watch it on TV, even yeah. if it, it's, it, I it's, mean, obviously it wasn't national, but on 
local TV. I mean, you'd be like, yeah, I got to watch it. Like I'll you give said. people that's not watching ahead and Justin a teaser. This is not the most depraved thing we will see from Kevin Sullivan. There is something that ramps up uh, maybe two or three times more violent than what you just saw. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, almost like put, putting something. Uh, it, Stabbing somebody? Uh-huh. Uh, I, won't, I won't go any farther because when we get to that TV show, you are literal. And I can't, I can't remember when it happened. But you are going to – you're going to be beside yourself when you're watching it. You can say, how did this make TV? <laughs> Especially back then. Oh, there's, there's one good answer that I will come up with when we get to that episode, and it will not be politically correct on why that made TV. <laughs> well, I did that a long time ago. Okay, so – all right, guys, three episode, three more episodes down. We're rolling into Thanksgiving Thunder. I don't think there's too much more we could break down about this. Andy, any closing thoughts tonight? No, I'm just I, – I still want to say to all the fans, please don't – just trust us on it. Watch these episodes. If you don't watch any other episodes, these three up to this point are the best episodes they've come out with. Oh, yeah. Justin, uh, any final thoughts tonight? Yeah, I'm glad we got to do a couple shows here in the last couple weeks and looking forward to watching it, uh, you know, seeing what happens next. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Just listen. Oh, yeah. Even though I, uh, never mind. (laughs) We're recording this on January the 11th. So, our plan, uh, I guess, tentatively is we, we will try and we'll just have to coordinate, but. We will try to have another show at the by the end of the month, uh, the last week of the month, somewhere in there. We'll we'll just have to see how the TV taping breaks down. I hadn't even looked ahead to see how the TV taping breaks down, so we will we'll shoot for another one toward the end of the month here. But uh, three more episodes down, we're heading into Thanksgiving Thunder. Thank you to everybody that listens. Thanks for the support on the Place to Be Nation, PWO, Pro Wrestling Only. Uh, if you want to follow our show a little more in depth. We're going to try to do some more interactive things on our Facebook page. So go to www.facebook.com forward slash SMW fire in the mountain. All one word forwards at facebook.com forward slash SMW fire in the mountain. And that's where you can find our show. And uh, that's where we'll be interacting with anybody that wants to ask questions or uh anything like that that's where we're going to be so check us out there and uh yeah i know this was a good fun taping three episodes down more coming up hopefully at the end of the month thank you once again to everybody out there this is ricky wittenberg for the hot pocket andy waddell and the keyboard warrior justin edgel signing off saying good night everybody go green bay